Blog Talk Radio. Broadcasting, broadcasting, broadcasting to the world. Broadcasting to the world, to the world, to the world. BlakeRadio.com. Music for your mind, body, and soul. Talk radio at its best. You're listening to Rainbow Soul from BlakeRadio.com. Welcome to Topically Yours on the Blake Radio Network, Rainbow Soul. I'm your host, Deirdre Schuler, and today we're going to talk about the country of Brazil. You just heard the song Brazil by uh, Carlos Jobim. 
And for those that don't know about Brazil, it's located in South America. And the history of Brazil starts with its indigenous people, and there were several different tribes that had their own distinct culture and language, which caused them to feud with one another. So because they were divided, it wasn't long before the Europeans arrived in the 16th century and colonized the people. And from the 16th to the early 19th century, Brazil was a colony of Portugal. And on September 7, 1822, the country declared its independence from Portugal and became its own country. And currently, Brazil is a democratic federative republic with a presidential system. Brazil has a mixed economy with abundant natural resources, and its economy has been predicted to become one of the five largest in the world. Well, my guest today, author Sharif Bailey, has written a book about his adventures in Brazil. And he's been there several times and spent time in Rio de Janeiro and other cities within the country. His book, Rio in Retrospect, An American Discovery in Brazil, is broken down into three volumes. It is a book to own if you're visiting Brazil since Sharif advises travelers of every aspect of the country from the food, culture, the people, crime, accommodations, beaches, and various cities within Brazil to visit. Quite simply, his book serves as a guide to Brazil and it's everything you need to know about the country of Brazil. A native of Newark, New Jersey, Mr. Bailey currently lives in Maryland, where he works with the educational counselor and educational administrator within the public school system. As a multicultural instructor, Sharif has taught and conducted cultural seminars and workshops throughout the United States. Presently pursuing his Ph.D., Mr. Bailey plans to develop a cultural educational center in Rio de Janeiro in future. Well, let's welcome Sharif A. Bailey to the show, and let us take let him take us on a trip into the inner recesses of Brazil and the Brazilian culture. So, welcome to the show, Sharif Bailey. Thank you, Deirdre. I'm glad to uh, glad to be here. My pleasure to have you. On the show, so let's begin by talking about your reasons for writing your book Rio in retrospect, an American discovery in Brazil. Okay, I uh, I actually had a couple of introductions to uh, to Brazil uh, prior to to writing the uh, the book, at least the first volume. I uh, I uh, got my cultural introduction to Brazil uh, when I was an undergraduate student at Morgan State University in Baltimore. Um, at that time, I took, uh, there was a, I was a, uh, I, I was a musician. I played the trumpet. I actually, I still play the trumpet. And uh, I was in a marching band at Morgan uh, for a couple of seasons. Uh, but uh, while I was there, I took a uh, survey of jazz course that was taught by a professor, uh, Sweeney, Albert Sweeney at, the, at Morgan. And during that course, he uh, introduced uh, his students to Brazilian culture. That was a, a large uh, segment of the course in which he introduced uh, uh, not only the, the culture about Brazil, he introduced, uh, uh, taught about the demographics of Brazil, the makeup of the people, the culture, the food, uh, the music to include Brazilian jazz, 
Uh, and that was really my, my uh, first true <clears throat> formal introduction to Brazil. And I have to say that uh, in, in, uh, in getting that exposure and learning about Brazil at that time, it, it really uh, prompted me to one day want to uh, visit Brazil and experience all those things that I learned in that Survey of Jazz course uh, uh, back in undergraduate school. Well, I understand your friend Steve Cook had tried to get you to visit the country for years, but you just, at the time, were not interested enough? Or or, or, or tell me about that. Well, that's, that's interesting because uh, uh, Steve Cook, uh, Steve Gregory Cook, who I actually dedicate uh, the book to, uh, Steve died in 2010. Uh, he died of cancer. And uh, actually that was one of the other things that uh, w- was an incentive for me to, to actually start formally writing the book. Uh, prior to Steve's death, uh, I had been visiting Brazil f- for a number of years, um, uh, but when he died, that was the other incentive for me to write the book. Uh, but uh, Steve had tried to get me to go to Brazil for some dozen years or more, 12, 13 years. Uh, and it wasn't that I didn't want to go to Brazil. Uh, it's just that at that time, during that period, I was actually traveling to different to other countries. I uh, and I, you know, I just kind of put the Brazil trip on the back burner. Uh, and all along, Steve would say, you know, this place, this country is perfect for you in terms of your personality, in terms of uh, what you what you like in people, what you seek out in people, uh, the kinds of people that you that you like to be around. And, and then eventually, I, I took him up. I said, okay, I do. You know, I, I do know some things about Brazil from my studies and, and research and all the things that Steve and some of my other classmates uh, uh, told me about Brazil. And one of my other classmates included uh, Mike Holston. Mike Holston is a former NFL uh, um, receiver. I uh, used to play with the uh, Indianapolis Colts and Kansas City Chiefs. He, he was another person who had uh, been going to Brazil for many years and they, the two of them, along with a few other friends, they had been going for all those years, and they finally convinced me to go. And when I went, I was really blown away by, you know, everything that I experienced in Brazil. Uh, it was everything that I thought it was, and, and then some. Well, you know, when I do an interview, I generally like to read the book and, and um, get information before I do the interview. And I noticed that looking at your book, the front cover shows some of the city of Rio, but it also has the American flag and the Brazilian flag on the front cover. Uh, does that bear some significance? Yes, it does, because I, uh, in, in designing the book cover, uh, I wanted to kind of capture what the experience, the total experience of Brazil meant for me, and I wanted to kind of look at it from a perspective, an American perspective, because the subtitle is An American Discovery in Brazil. So uh, I, I said, okay, let me look at what I want this uh, the book to represent, the cover to represent, a, a overview, sky shot of uh, Rio de Janeiro, the landscape, which is really breathtaking. And, um, and then I also wanted to highlight uh, the two countries, uh, the flag on the on the on the one side is the the Brazilian, uh, the country of the flag uh, of Brazil, and the other side being the U.S. flag and country. Uh, and the reason why I I posted both of those because uh, 
I constantly, throughout my experience in Brazil, I constantly looked, uh, like compared notes uh, within myself and within my colleagues who, who had, you know, who constantly traveled there with me about the differences in the two cultures, the two countries, the differences in our language, the differences in our value systems, um, and then also the similarities. And for that reason, I came up uh, uh, along with the help of uh, Scott Holdorf. Scott was uh, one of our uh, traveling buddies who went on our, that first journey with us. Uh, Scott uh, helped me with the design of the, uh, the book, uh, or at least the concept, uh, and uh, so we, we, we came up with this uh, this concept of the two flags, the overshot of uh, Rio de Janeiro. And, uh, and in my mind, when, when I uh, think about Rio, when I started writing in 2010, the, 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 uh, the title popped right in my mind, Rio in retrospect, you know, just reflecting back on everything that I had not only heard about Rio, but then everything that I experienced in Rio over the years that I've been traveling there. Well, now, your back cover, I understand, because I've never been to Brazil, you're standing in front of one of the more famous places that those that travel to Brazil would recognize. Oh, yes. That's the uh, the famous Sambadrome, where, where the Samba schools, during, during the Brazilian Carnival every year, in fact, the, the Carnival is, is, uh, happens again in February, of course. Uh, Brazil has, uh, what some people would say, the largest Carnival celebration in the world. Um, I've been to Carnival in Brazil several times in my 15 years or more of traveling there. Uh, it is really a spectacle to see and experience. Uh, and the the picture that I have on the back of my uh, my book is a picture that was taken of me uh, at uh, during Carnival at the Samba Drone. Uh, and at that time, it was, it was really in the middle of the night. Uh, and I'll tell you the story about that very briefly. I uh, I went with my uh, friend, my uh, uh, my friend at the time, who took me to to see the top samba schools in Rio, uh, in the for that annual competition. Um, and th- it was interesting because we, uh, when I went to the to the samba zone to, to to experience the, uh, you know, to see the schools and and see the you know the the, the parades and the floats. Uh, I was told that uh, we got there at 6 o'clock in the evening. I was told that we would be there all night long, but that we would only see uh, a half dozen or, or, or so samba schools. And so I'm thinking, and, and, and the number was five. And, you know, my friend said, well, you're going to see five, about five schools, and that will be about it. And so my question was, why are we, why do we have to stay here all night long just to see five samba schools? Well, little did, little did I know, uh, those samba schools are so huge and so massive in terms of their numbers. You know, you might have one samba school that has 10,000 people or 20,000 people in one school, and they come through, they march through the stadium, and they do their performances, and they sing, you know, all the traditional songs and, and, uh, and everything else, and it's really, really spectacular. Uh, well, that, that picture was actually, is actually a picture of me after I finished crying, <laughs> With, you know, and and I'm not embarrassed to say it. I actually that picture is when I finished crying after I I went through this emotional and spiritual and cultural I guess epiphany that uh, that I experienced at that time. At one point during the middle of the night when the schools were going through for coming through the summer drone, uh, I recognized 
the soul of the music. Uh, and I couldn't put my finger on it. I kept saying, why is this music, even though it's in a language that I don't even understand, in Portuguese, everyone in the stadium was singing the music, and they were chanting the music, the verses to a particular song. And the music literally reverberated throughout my entire body. But I felt that I was, that I, that the music was familiar. And then it hit me that the music came from Africa. It came from Africa. Mm-hmm. And I literally felt that. And I went through that experience of feeling that, although the, the, the language was totally different, language alien, was alien, the, the, the music itself, I recognized that the music is coming from Africa, and I literally, uh, it, it, it caused me to have an emotional reaction to it. And I started to cry because I recognized the motherland, and uh, and I cried and I cried, and the people around me, they were, you know, they were really gracious about. It. They, they, I guess, I think the local Brazilians who were, who were with us, they, they understood that uh, I was an African American male who had come to Brazil and had recognized that I was one step closer to the place we all came from, and that's Africa. And so that's the significance of that picture. I just I literally finished crying, and I, you know, because of that connection to to Africa, uh, that I heard and felt and experience in the music at the Samba Drum. Well, speaking of that, uh, I understand there are more African-Americans traveling to Brazil than ever before. And and what do you think attracts them to Brazil? Is it something of what you just said now? And I also know that some are even leaving America to live in Brazil. Do you have any comments about that? Yes, it's uh, interesting. Uh, early on in, uh, in, you know, the late 90s, uh, early uh, Y2K period when I started going to uh, Brazil, there were very few um, Americans going to Brazil or in Brazil or traveling there. Uh, in fact, um, when I I recall seeing uh, in my first few years of traveling to Rio and Sao Paulo and some of the other places, I recall seeing the same Americans traveling there, the same handful of people, uh, I would run into them in the airports, at various airports in Brazil, uh, and, uh, and, and of course, in, in Rio de Janeiro, they would be some of the same people we would see, uh, and, and that was an indicator to us that, uh, or at least one indicator, that there were not a lot of Americans uh, traveling at that time. There are much, many more now because of things like, the, uh, for instance, the World Cup that took place in Rio de Janeiro last year, and, which I was there for, which was, very, which was really mind-blowing, a lot of people. Uh, and uh, and the upcoming Olympics that will be taking place this coming summer in 2016, which will be there for that also. Uh, but uh, uh, a, a lot more Americans are traveling. I think it's the lore of the the culture, which is very different from ours. The people who are uh, they you know they, they, of course the language is different, but the the the, the country, the culture, and the people. It's one of the. It's actually polled as one as, as one of the friendliest countries in the world. I mean that that is officially when you when you talk to international travelers from any country who have traveled around the world, who have come to America and Europe, Asia, Africa, and when you talk when these people talk about Brazil, they literally say that Brazil is or is one of the friendliest countries in the world. They are very, the people there are very welcoming. Uh, they are very neutral. Country and what I mean by that, Brazil is a is a militarily neutral country. They really don't even have a military. Politically, they are a neutral political country. They don't really take 
sides with a with, with with different countries that may be in conflict with one another. Brazil is likes to uh, open its arms to to everyone from around the world. Now you travel to other countries, and as you mentioned, how do you compare Brazil to these other countries that you've traveled? Although you've just told me some things about Brazil, and I want to also mention that you mentioned the language. Uh, most people probably think they speak Spanish, but that's not the case. They speak yes, Portuguese, you know, correct? Yeah, that's interesting because, uh, bef- you know, from the time I started traveling to Brazil through, you know, today, when I talk to people and they ask me about the book, they say, oh, you, you published a book about your experience, your cultural experience in Brazil, you know, so uh, how, how's your Spanish? <laughs> you know, and I, I have to correct them and say no. Uh, in fact, Brazilians don't speak Spanish. In fact, Brazil is the only South American country in South America that speaks that does not speak Spanish. And the reason why they speak Portuguese is that you alluded to the, to it uh, in your introduction is that the Portuguese uh, colonized Brazil, uh, and Brazil eventually won its uh, independence from the Portuguese. So that's the reason why Brazilians speak Portuguese and not Spanish. Again, it's the only South American country in uh, South America that does not speak Spanish. So I, I usually find myself correcting, uh, you know, my friends and family who who believe that Brazilians speak Spanish. Now, um, I mentioned that you divided your book into three volumes. What can readers expect from the the, the volumes to come? Okay. Uh, the other volumes. The Yes, the first volume is a introduction. It's an introduction to uh, the experience of a group of Americans, uh, nine of us, by the way, uh, who traveled uh, to Brazil when we finally got together for a group trip. That was in 2001. Uh, and nine of us, to include uh, one female and eight guys, we uh, we decided to get together, plan a trip, to plan an, ex- an extended trip, uh, as a part of that first group trip, because prior to that, uh, members of our group have been going there individually, and we decided we're going to do a a group trip together, and that took place in 2001, uh, and really that was uh, through the urging of Steve Cook, who said, "Look, we, you know, we're going to come together. We're going to dedicate an a uh, an entire month to this trip, and we're going to go and and take have this experience together." and uh, so that that that's what happened. <laughs> that's how we that's how we got together on on the on the first trip. And uh, I, I was always grateful to Steve for for putting that trip together, making it happen, and bringing bringing together the personalities of uh, everyone who who went on that trip. And in fact, on my acknowledgement page of the book, I have a picture of our group, which includes uh, Doris, who was the you know the the only female to go with us, uh, Steve uh, Cook. Uh, Dwayne, who is one of my classmates, along with Mike Holston and myself, who graduated, all graduated from Morgan. Um, uh, Scott Holdorf, who uh, who himself had traveled all around the world, and Scott, who by the way speaks, you know, some eight languages, to include Portuguese and uh, and a number of other languages. And that was very interesting that Scott would would go on that trip with us, that first group trip, because with him aboard, we were able to experience the full benefits of traveling in and around Rio de Janeiro and wherever we wanted in the years that follow in Brazil uh, without limitations, you know, due to the language barrier. Um, so Scott, we call Scott our secret weapon when it came to uh, traveling to Brazil because he was he's very fluent in Portuguese 
And to this day, the entire group who have, uh, of us who have for travel are, are very close. We're like a big family to this day because we have that connection to Brazil. And what is in Volume 2 and 3? Okay. Uh, I did, I'm sorry. I said that Volume 1 is an introduction, not only to us, but an introduction to the country of Brazil, uh, the people, culture, language, the food, which is some of the most delicious food you will ever taste in your life. Uh, and let me say this about the food. M- m- most of Brazil's food is organically grown, uh, from the crops, uh, fruits, and vegetables to how they raise their cattle. And, you know, Brazil is a very big cattle producer. They don't pump all the chemicals and poisons and all the other things in there. They naturally grow their food and their livestock and, and what have you, so that when you eat the food there, and I talk about that, when you eat the food, it's like you literally have to develop a discipline not to gorge yourself on the delicious, organically grown food there. So I talk about all those basic things in the first book, the first volume. I talk about uh, the city of Rio de Janeiro. I talk about the culture. I talk about, you know, what it's like to hang out in Brazil uh, with the people, uh, your friends there, whether they be Brazilian friends or American friends. Uh, I talk about, uh, I actually talk about sex in this first volume, you know, because a lot of Americans are very interested in, in you know, all what they hear about sex. But I, I like to set the record straight when I talk about sex. And that title in Chapter 9 is called Sex in Brazil and the American Attraction to It. Uh, and I explain, in fact, it's the largest, uh, it's the, 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 long, the longest chapter of the entire book because I deal with a lot of, uh, I, I like to dispel a lot of myths about sex in Brazil, what it is and what it's not. Uh, and, and answer a lot of questions for Americans uh, about that. Now, in Volume 2, uh, I'm really proud of uh, the second book. Uh, it, the second book has, is, is complete along with the third book. Um, the second book, I deal with the interworkings of how the country is, operates, how the country runs. I talk about everything from the, the political structure, the history of uh, like, as you did in the beginning, I talk a lot about the history of the country, how it came to be, the demographics, how Rio de Janeiro itself uh, came to prominence from where years ago, early on in its, after its independence, uh, Rio was the actual was the capital of Brazil for a while, and then it moved on to Brasilia, uh, which, is now the, uh, which has been the capital for quite some time. Uh, so in the second volume, I talk about um, the uh, government in Brazil, I talk about and we have city a female life. president, correct? Yes, Brazil has elected it uh, for the second it, her second term. This uh, a its first female president, uh, uh, Delma, uh, uh, and, and I always mispronounce her name, but she's the first female president le- elected uh, president of Brazil, uh, and uh, and she's just she was just recently elected for her second term. Uh, the second volume, I also talk about crime. I talk about um, uh, Brazilian gangs uh, because I, I've had several run-ins with the, with the gangs over there, and the gangs are very interesting. I have some very interesting stories that people will really, I think they'll find really intriguing and interesting to, to, to find out about how the gangs uh, operate in Brazil and how life around the gangs uh uh, work because there's an intricate relationship between actually the gangs and, and crime and 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 and, uh, and the wealthy. For instance, the you know the favelas or the 
you know, the slum areas surround the most, they're right next to the most uh, uh, expensive and upscale places in Brazil. They they stand side by side with each other. The villas in the mountains and, 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 and expensive places, uh, wealthy areas like uh, uh, Rio, Ipanema, Leblon, uh, they st- they sit right next to you know some of the, some of the uh, the uh, the roughest places you can imagine in terms of the uh, the favelas of Brazil. So I talk about that dichotomy. I talk about the police. I talk about um, I talk about uh, poverty and crime. And I also in the second volume I I talk about uh, uh, where Brazil is going in the future. You know because Brazil is one of the BRIC nations. You know. Uh, Brazil, Russia, India, and China, they're the new superpower nations that uh, are really going to supplant, you know, they're getting to a point they're in a position to supplant even the United States as, as one of the, you know, the biggest, super, you know, biggest superpower in the world uh, with things like oil uh, uh, and, you know, being, being uh, all kinds of industries that they are first in the world. And so I talk about all those things in the second volume. And then the third volume, I uh, I talk about uh, again I talk uh, I I deal a little bit more with uh, uh, where Brazil is where it stands and where the position that it's in for the for future um, for future power in the world. Um, I also talk in the third volume about about Americans living in Brazil. I spend a lot of time in the third book uh, doing interviews with Mer- Americans who have lived in Brazil for many years. Some of them who have Lived in Brazil many years, even before I started going to Brazil 15, 16 years ago. Um, uh, so those stories are very, very interesting. Uh, the third volume, I also talk about international travelers and international uh, uh, people who are expatriates from both America and from other countries who have settled in Brazil, in Brazil permanently and now call Brazil their home because of all the things that the country and the people and the culture have to offer. Well, let's talk about that, about Americans that want to travel to Brazil. What should they know? Do they need a passport? And how long does it take to secure the passport? What are they, uh, how, uh, accommodations, the hotels, and all of those things that one encounters when traveling to another country? Okay. Can you, um, you expand on that a little? Yes. And um, right now, the, the United States is. Uh, U.S. Our government was was negotiating or had been negotiating prior to the World Cup last year. Had been negotiating a uh, agreement where Americans would not have to get a a, uh, a visa anymore. But it, my understanding is that Americans still have to get not only a passport but still have to have a visa uh, to go to Brazil. So of course you have to get a passport. And really, you know now, post nine eleven, you have to have a passport practically to go anywhere now uh, when you tra- leave outside of America. So the passport process can take anywhere from, you know, four to six weeks to several months, depending on uh, the time that you apply for a passport. Of course, there, there, there are expedited uh, uh, services where you can go and, and, you know, to an embassy or to, you know, to um, passport offices or, or the U.S. Post Office, and you can get these, you get your passport expedited. My advice for anyone that wants to travel to Brazil or any other country outside the United States is to get your passport early. I've seen many incidents where I would um, go to the Brazilian embassy, and I usually go to the one here in, in Washington, D.C., because I'm, I'm next to, the, to, to uh, D.C., 
and I would be in line to get a either renew a passport, which I've done several times, uh, or and I would see Americans, you know, other um, travelers who are at the passport office at the Brazilian embassy, and their plane takes off tomorrow, and they're still waiting on their uh, visa to clear. And and now the visa process is a little bit longer because more and more people are traveling to Brazil. So there was a time when you can get a visa, a Brazilian visa, in a matter of uh, 48 hours, 48 or 72 hours. Now that is that has now been extended to something like three weeks or more um, that it takes to get the visa after you get your passport. Okay, now let's just say fast forward, you get your visa, the passport, and uh, you you uh, you buy the ticket, your round trip ticket. Uh, we're fortunate, is it right? Uh, well, no, currently it's not, and I'll tell you why. Uh, in in two thousand one. Uh, when we took that first group group trip, uh, the average uh, round trip airline uh, ticket was about five hundred and fifty, between five hundred and fifty and six hundred fifty dollars. Uh, five years later, ten years later, by the time we hit uh, two thousand ten, those prices had skyrocketed up to two and three thousand uh, dollars. Fortunately for us now, the Brazilian uh, currency, the real. Uh, is very low against is weak against the dollar right now. So we are almost back to those those Y two K those 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 pre Y two K prices where you can get a ticket now uh, you know for five fifty six six fifty round trip. Uh, so and the dollar is almost is about four uh, eyes to 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 the to the dollar, which means that for instance if you have a Thousand dollars in American in, in American dollars, and over there now you're looking at about four thousand hiais, uh, four thousand of uh, the Brazilian currency, uh, which is very good for American travelers and European travelers who use the euro and the um, and the um, either the pound or the euro. Uh, now, the one thing I want to point out about the travel there is that this is the thing that most people don't like is that it's a it's a long flight. It's a nine and a half hour flight, and for that reason, I have. A number of friends who say, "Oh, I want to go to Brazil with you, Sharif," and you know, I, I really wanted to go all my life, and but they they don't, you know, they stop short when when I tell them that the, the flight is that long. Um, my advice to people who want to fly there is that uh, take an overnight flight, which I do all the time, you, where you get on the plane at nine ten o'clock at night. Uh, you're usually tired. Uh, they serve you your your dinner at ten eleven o'clock at night. You're nice and full. The plane takes off, and by the time you finish eating and fall asleep, and you know, when you wake up, you're, you're landing in Sao Paulo or one of the other places for your connecting flight to Rio. So uh, that's the best way to, to fly over there. Do it, do it in an overnight flight. Well, you know there's always the do's and don'ts about traveling, and, and like you hear Mexico, don't, don't, don't eat the, drink the water, be careful of eating the food. Would you advise people about that in, in Brazil as well? Well, yes. Do you uh, need to stop to go there? Now, the food is okay. Uh, the food is very, very delicious. Uh, now, I would have to caution you about drinking the water because their water is different. It's almost like, you know, with Mexico. So when you travel, uh, when you get there, go to the local grocery store like you do anyplace else, and you buy your your bottled water. Your you know your liters or your, your your cases of water and you know you drink your bottle of water, um, and usually when I go there, uh, I do all my cooking with the you know with bottled water. I drink bottled water. I keep it on me uh, because 
you can drink some of the water, but if you drink it over an extended period of time, you nine times out of ten, you if you're from America, you're not used to, you know, the the difference in their water, and you, and you might get uh, you, you might get a little upset stomach or diarrhea or something. So, you know, we caution against drinking the water there. Uh, of course, you get some water intake when you eat the food, especially vegetables and and those kinds of foods that have water content in it, like watermelon and other kinds of foods that, that have, that where they cook a lot of, uh, with a lot of water, like rice and, and, and those kinds of things. But, um, yeah, just, uh, I would caution, drink, uh, you know, buy bottled water. Uh, but the food is, is very clean, very delicious, um, and you can really get addicted to the food. Yeah. <laughs> now, you mentioned crime. What, what should tourists look out for? For example, I, I heard somewhere or read somewhere that, uh, the buses not, are not always safe. Yeah, um, I uh, people get robbed yeah, and things like that. So how can you avoid all that? It's by knowing. I assume by your book you tell people what to avoid. Is that correct? Yeah, I do it by by examples of what I've experienced. Uh, for instance, uh, you know, off and on over the years, you have uh, a, a, a spate of, of different kind of crimes that might be committed on the buses. Uh, by the local gangs, uh, where they would get on the bus and you know, you know, take people's money to rob people on the on the buses. Uh, I, I I I would caution this. I would say, uh, whenever you travel there, just be careful. The biggest mistake that that uh, Americans make, and you know, most foreigners, but especially Americans, and Americans will go to different countries and. And they'll wear expensive clothes everywhere, or very expensive jewelry, rings and watches and diamonds and things around their neck and earrings. And you just don't want to do that when you're traveling about uh, uh, when you're in Brazil um, because that that makes you a target. And really it makes you a target anywhere. If you go to any country and you got expensive diamonds and jewelries and, and gold and stuff on you, you, you know, and you're, and you're a foreigner, you're a target anywhere. So I would say the same thing for Brazil. Um, Take off your expensive watches and, and and diamond rings and all that when you go when you travel about. Now, when you're in Rio de Janeiro, that's really not a, uh, that much of a problem because that is a very big tourist area, which is very secure, very highly policed, very uh, you know very safe. Uh, but when you leave outside of the immediate tourist areas of Rio de Janeiro and some of the other areas, then you, you don't want to walk around with expensive stuff or expensive cameras. Uh, I actually got in trouble. Uh, in one of, of the favelas, and I talk about this in the second book, where I uh, went into a favela with my with my uh, my uh, friend at the time, who later became you know my wife, uh, and I had a camcorder, and as a result of that camcorder, we got into trouble with the the uh, the local drug leader of the favela because he thought I was filming him, and. Uh, and uh, I won't go into detail about the story. They, people can read about it in the second book, but it's it's a very interesting and eye-opening experience that I had with you know face to face with you know with one of the drug gang leaders because I had a camcorder and he thought I was videotaping him. So we got in hot water as a result of that. Thank God we we got out of it. But that's one of the stories that I share about the do's and don'ts. You know, you're taking cameras, you don't take them into some of the neighborhoods and areas because, you know, you know, the cameras might get stolen, expensive jewelries. Uh, when you go out at night, at night, you got to be careful. You can't go places by yourself in dark areas 
by yourself at night, even though you might be used to doing it here in America, you can't do it over there because you'll become a victim. Well, I also want to ask you um, uh, about the beaches because uh, we often uh, are accused as Americans about being ugly Americans. And nudity on the beaches is, is pretty commonplace in Brazil since they they are very body conscious, as I understand, and, and believe in exercise and so forth. Uh, what would you say about the Americans that go gaga overseeing all the nude bodies on the beach and, and their behavior? Yeah, that's a, that's a good way of putting that. Uh, in two chapters, Chapter 6, Copacabana Beach in the Sun, I kind of talk about it. I hit on that a little bit in the first book. And in, the, in Chapter Nine, uh, sex in Brazil and the American attraction to it. I really talk about it extensively about about nudity and about sex in Brazil uh, to to kind of answer a lot of questions about you know what it really is like. The bottom line on nudity and sex in Brazil is that it's not a big thing in Brazil. Nudity is not a big deal. Sex is not a big deal. Uh, one of the things that I love to hear from Brazilians when, whenever I'm there, they literally will walk by you on the streets and they say, Paz e amor, peace and love. You know, and they and Brazilians seem to really love by, live by, by that motto, peace and love, you know, because it's an open society, very friendly. Uh, the Brazilians are very, very touchy people. They, they, they touch you, they hug you, you know, they really make you feel special and make you feel at home. Uh, nudity is no big deal to the extent, I'll, I'll, and I'll, let me let me let me put that in, in the proper context. Um, after, in the early part of uh, uh, Y2K, uh, there was uh, there was a group. There, there were there were larger numbers of, of Americans traveling to Brazil, and some of those Americans were behaving badly, where they would go on the beaches and, and gawk at the uh, you know the, the topless uh, sunbathers. And that scared a lot of the local uh, locals away from doing uh, topless bathing on the beaches whenever foreigners were around. Uh, uh, and so there was a time, maybe between you know 2004 or five to 2007 eight, when you know the local Brazilians became much more cautious about you know uh, doing topless sunbathing or nudity on the beaches, whenever not when they were around, but when other foreigners were around because some foreigners just didn't have the coof to, you know, to take it in stride and just, you know, just see it for what it was, the natural, the natural order of things over there. Uh, so, uh, and then nudity is, uh, it's, uh, it's viewed differently over there, when, especially at the time doing carnival. For instance, carnival, you, you just see so much flesh, it's, you know, but it's a part of the culture. It's a part of what makes that culture what it is. Uh, and for them, it's no big deal. And for people who have gone there and gotten used to it, uh, and uh, it's it's not a big deal. But when Americans or any other foreigners go over there and gawk at the at the women, uh, then they uh, they get you know they kind of turn the, the locals off. And and the, and what Brazilian local Brazilians do when they're turned off, they don't really even get mad. They don't get into you know because they're not rude to foreigners. They'll just literally move away from you. You know, they'll literally just move away from, get away from you, whenever they experience an American and behaving badly, or any other foreigner behaving badly and not knowing how to handle nudity uh, in their country. Uh, the whole thing about sex is uh, it's a different ball game altogether. Uh, when most American men go to Brazil, 
and they experience, they go, they may go to Brazil, some of them may go to Brazil to seek out sex with beautiful women, and then they get something totally different. They get a reception that they never saw coming. They get a reception from the people that they're seeking out that that opens their hearts up to understanding who who they're dealing with in terms of from their from the cultural perspective. And that the sex extends to the culture in terms of the people uh, accepting you for who you are and then you, you and then you responding in a way that or, or you have a reaction to their the, uh, the way that they respond to you with open arms and, and you, you know uh, one of the things that I describe that I describe in several of the chapters is how some Americans will go over there um, with a an attitude that they're gonna take advantage or 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 get into you know into the women and then the women get into them and turn them upside down and what I mean by that turn them out where they are where they surrender themselves to to the to that woman in a way that they never imagined that they would um because they are they are awestruck by the reception that they get from these people that they uh that they are that they are disarmed even if they have you know even if they have uh ulterior motives for going there they're 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 turned around by the culture from from the what might be considered a negative uh intention to a positive intention and I'll give you one example of that um I know guys who have gone there uh to 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 find girlfriends over there and find beautiful women and then when they find these women uh they are really they really get into the women and the women are really into them and they develop a really solid bonded relationship with the with the Brazilian women there and then they and then they learn about that Brazilian woman's plight of poverty and as a result of that even to this day I know many American men who who uh who travel back and forth to Brazil they may have a girlfriend there and they send money to to the to the woman uh out of you know their established relationship and their bonded friendship and also out of uh, uh, the kindness of their hearts because when they learn about the you know the poverty of that you know that woman that they became involved with they some of them send money to to them for their families because they've learned some other things uh that they had not anticipated prior to going over there to to meet beautiful women they find out about the women's and the people's you know circumstances you know the poverty the you know the the uh, some of the uh, desperation that some of the people live in so it turns the heart of some of these men who go over there with one with one uh, motive and it, and it turns them around and they they they're now doing some good <laughs> for the person that they thought they were going to go over just to have fun with and now they have a extended relationship not only with that woman but with that family with that culture and with that community so it's very interesting i talk about that in in several of the chapters in uh, and actually in each of the books the of uh, the three volumes yes well let me ask you about the accommodations when you go there are the hotels expensive, or are there other ways besides hotels where you can, uh, places you can stay? Yes, um, the hotels are more are noticeably more expensive than, say, for instance, an apartment that you may rent or a condominium that you may rent. Uh, there are a lot of apartments and condominiums that are rented. Uh, and let me just say this again: 
in addition to the uh, cheap airline tickets uh, currently going to Brazil, uh, a trip to Brazil is very advantageous right now uh, across the board, and that includes accommodations, uh, hotel rooms, condominiums, apartments, because everything is very cheap over there right now. Again, because the the the, uh, the Brazilian real is very weak against the American dollar, so your dollar will go a long way over there now. So I would encourage Americans to take advantage of it if if, if anyone is thinking has has been thinking about visiting Brazil. It's very cheap right now. The the, the best accommodations are if you really like uh, feel. Um, you're looking for, you know, safety, security, and if you're if you're apprehensive about, uh, you know, ulterior accommodations, I would say go to your, you know, uh, check into your, your, um, your your average your your, your hotel there, uh, and that could be any number of uh, top of the line hotels because they're all there. Like when you go to Rio de Janeiro, you will see uh, Marriott, uh, you'll see, you know. Hilton, you'll see all the top hotels around the world, and that are here in America. They'll be right there on Copacabana Beach. So for those, for the safety conscious travelers, the hotels are there. They're, they're much more expensive than an apartment. Uh, I have never stayed in the 15, well now 16 years I've been going to Brazil. I've never stayed in a hotel. Uh, the, uh, I was conditioned early on to to go the traditional route and rent uh, apartments, which are very easy to rent. Very, very cheap to stay in per night, and whenever you rent an apartment there, they are always fully furnished uh, with kitchenettes and, and pots and pans because I love to cook. So, uh, you know, I go to, you know, one of uh, any number of apartments that I'm used to renting over there, and, and uh, I go right in uh, to a neighborhood apartment, and the first thing I do is to uh, change clothes and uh, go to the grocery store and buy all my groceries and, and so I can do my cooking every day because... The accommodations are, are set up that way. It's very convenient, very cheap. So apartments are. I would I would suggest that people look into apartments as well as the uh, the uh, hotels. Uh, for, you know, apartments for the more adventurous uh, person and the person that wants more, a little more um, freedom. Um, the apartment is the way the way to go. And what I mean by that is this: uh, when I first started going to Brazil, now I don't know what it is now, but uh, when I first started going. If you um, if you stayed in a hotel and you were a foreigner, you couldn't bring guests to your rooms and in, into your hotels. And I'll tell you why that happened. Uh, prior, a few years prior to my going to, to Brazil the first time in 2001, there was an incident where a foreigner brought a local uh, woman up to his uh, uh, his hotel room, and they you know they had relations, and, and then he this person killed the woman. As a result of that, they it was almost they almost instituted a law that any foreigners couldn't bring visitors up to their hotel rooms. Now that has kind of changed slightly to some extent with some of the uh, the hotels now, but I don't know if that's if that has totally changed and is off the off the record off the books now. Uh, so you want to look into that when you check into a hotel over there. Are you able to? I mean, it doesn't matter who you are, how much money you have. You need to know whether or not, whether or not that's that hotel's policy. That as you know, as a foreigner, if you can have anyone from a, a local person come to visit you in that uh, hotel room, uh, because they for a long time that was a very strictly enforced policy against that. So the apartment was the way the, the, the way to go for 
freedom, privacy, and some other things. Now, the hotels, are they primarily the places of entertainment, or where would you go outside the beaches? And are there several beaches uh, that one can go to? Well, there are beaches all over um, Brazil. I mean, you know, you know, it's a country that's, uh, you know, especially when you talk about the coastline, everything from northern uh, part of Brazil, uh, Salvador, Bahia, uh, to Fortaleza, you know, all the way down to, you know, some of the other uh, coastal cities, all the way down to Rio de Janeiro. And in, in, uh, in Rio, you have Copacabana Beach, you have Ipanema Beach, and you have a num- number of other smaller beaches surrounding the entire Rio de Janeiro area uh, uh, proper. So beaches are everywhere. Um, and what and about places of entertainment? Oh, entertainment. Well, uh, well entertainment is uh, <laughs> that's everywhere also. Um, uh, Brazil has a lot of uh, outdoor entertainment because it's a uh, it's a tropical climate. Uh, most of the year is very is warm, very hot. Uh, for instance, right now we're going into our winter. Uh, period our winter season when that is the begin that starts the beginning of Brazil's summer season. For instance, in this month, next month in February, where we're, when we're in the middle of our winter, it is literally the middle of their summer. Uh, so, mm-hmm. starting next month, when we're in the 20s and 30s, and we go into February with two, three feet of snow, uh, that is Brazil's the middle of Brazil summer where your your average day may be 95 to 100 degrees every day with a cool breeze coming off the uh off the ocean. Uh but entertainment is uh you have entertainment in, in many of the cafes, the the uh outdoor cafes all along the beach uh the beachfront. You have entertainment in in a lot of the uh, hotels just like we have them here there. You have a lot of street entertainers, a lot of the street bands who tr- who just kind of walk the beaches, and and uh, it is very nice, very romantic. But these these little bands of musicians where they kind of walk the uh, the cafes and and they perform, you know, for money. Uh, and there there's there there many of them. Uh, one of the things that I did uh, when I first went uh, on on the uh, on the advice of my uh, jazz, uh, survey of jazz instructor, Dr. Sweeney said, when you go to Brazil, you got to go to, to the Bossa Nova Club, the famous Bossa Nova Club. That's in uh, Ipanema. And as a you know a person who, you know, a jazz musician, you know, I said, okay, i got to make it there. And that's one of the first places that we went to uh, on our first trip to Brazil, the Bossa Nova Club. Uh, it's, a, it's a jazz club, uh, lounge, very beautiful, very chic. Uh, uh, and then there are pl- many places like that throughout the Rio de Janeiro and all of the other places in Brazil. Uh, so entertainment is everywhere. You would not have a problem finding entertainment literally at your doorstep uh, in Brazil, especially when you go for any of the celebrated holidays like uh, New Year's, uh, Carnival, uh, New Year, the New Year's celebration, the Independence Day uh, celebration they have there every year, and then several other big holidays. Uh, you know, if you catch yourself there any any of those times, you may not even get any sleep because there's so much entertainment and music everywhere. Well, now let me ask you about where people can get your book if they wanted to purchase it. Since it is a guide to Brazil, it's like the everything you ever wanted to know about Brazil and now can ask. 
Okay. So tell um, me where they could purchase your 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 book Rio in retrospect and American Discovery in Brazil. Well, the book is available on Amazon.com. Uh, it's also available on Kindle Direct Publishing, uh, the Direct Publishing site. It's also available on uh, CreateSpace, which is the publishing arm of Amazon.com. Uh, um, uh, it's so available CreateSpace.com if they wanted Create to go there. Space. Right, right. One can go to CreateSpace.com or Kindle uh, Publishing or Amazon.com, and uh, the book is available in paperback. Uh, it's also available uh, for uh, buyers to download to their, you know, to their smart devices and, and cell phones, uh, and that's through a Kindle Direct Direct Publishing. So there's several ways that people can buy the book, download the book. I'm really happy about uh, finally publishing the book because I started off, you know, writing, uh, keeping a diary of my experiences over the years, and then it turned into a uh, a, uh, a book, and then it turned into three books because uh, I started writing so much. And very quickly, uh, I I found the time to write my about my cultural experiences in Brazil in these three volumes uh, when I was taking care of my mother, who at one point was diagnosed with, uh, with Alzheimer's. At that point, I literally stopped working for four, four and a half years and, and became the full-time provider of my mother's. Uh, taking care of her. I stopped working, stopped my uh, PhD program at the time, and I started writing in earnest. I started writing the book. Uh, And that's how Rio Retrospect came to be. Well, tell me about, is there a website that people can visit? I know you said it's it's under construction, but is there enough there for people who want to know more about the book and you to go to your website? uh, yeah, just open up the website. Uh the website is is called is real and retrospect real and retrospect dot com. That is the, the retros the, the 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 website. So you can't forget the name because it's the same name as the book, Real and Retrospect. And that's the name of the uh, the website, real and retrospect dot com. Um and uh people can go there and, and, and see some, some pictures of, of uh Rio, uh myself and, and our and our group that I we always call the team. You can see what what our first group looked like of travelers who were going to Brazil. Uh, there's some quotes there, and there's some other things that we're kind of you know expanding the uh, the website as we speak uh, uh, to to uh, to market the book. Well, um, we're coming close to the end of our time, so I want to thank you for being my guest today, and I do encourage folks to read your book. Uh, again, it's Rio in Retrospect, an American Discovery in Brazil by Sharif A. Bailey. And I mm-hmm. want to thank uh, you for being my guest, Sharif. It's been uh, been my pleasure. Thank you. And uh, this is the Blake Radio Network, Rainbow Soul. Again, my guest today is author Sharif A. Bailey. I am Deirdre Schuler, thanking my listeners for making my topic topic. Topically yours. And now we're going to end the show with Girl from Ifanema by Astrid Gioberto. Tall and thin and young and lovely, the girl from Ipanema goes walking, and when she passes, each one she passes goes. 
she walks just like a samba that swings so cool and sways so gently that when she passes each one she passes goes been listening to the Blake Radio Network Rainbow Soul.